Amen. Thanks, Kelly. Let's pray. Father, our desire is to think, to act like Christ, and to not be taken away by empty thoughts, philosophies, ideas that are of this world that we think lead to good places, but lead to the uninhabited salt land. We want souls that are alive, full of life. Teach us this morning through your scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks for singing with us, guys. You can have a seat. Good morning. Happy New Year. Thanks for being here. First service of the year. And uh, as we kick off our first service this year in our opening series, uh, this is, it's more than just a first service. It's really a, a thesis on where it is that we're headed this year. And so if you're new to Redemption, this is a great Sunday for you to be joining us because you're going to get a kind of a picture of what it is that we're going to be about this year and uh, where we think as a team and, and elders, where God is leading our church. I, I want to start this morning and, and this year really with a, a verse from Luke chapter 6, verse 40. And this won't be our main text, but it'll set up what we're going to talk about today and, and the rest of the year. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. One more time. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. You've probably heard this word disciple before. It's not a word that's unique to Christianity, though Christianity has kind of commandeered it as like its, its word and its term. The word disciple was not the first, uh, excuse me, was the first word that was used to describe people who were followers of Christ. It's the word that Jesus used right here, uh, is the word that the first church used uh, when it was writing about each other. They were called disciples. There's a little line in Acts where it says that there was a certain group of disciples who were then first called Christians. Nowadays, we call people who follow Jesus Christians. And then we use this word disciple to describe people often who are, well, serious about their faith. They're like level two or level three Christians, or they're kind of maturing. And the word Christian, somebody who follows Jesus, is kind of a general word we use to describe, well, I think about half of the country, if you look at it statistically. That wasn't always so. The word disciple was the word that Jesus used to anyone who would adhere to, to faith in him. A simple definition of a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus and his teaching. A disciple is a follower of Jesus and his teaching. In this series today and this year, what we're going to talk about over and over, and going back to it over and over, is what it means to be a follower of Jesus and his teaching. To follow Christ wherever that might lead, and to adhere to his teaching. Colossians chapter 2 teaches us the, the tension in this, that there is a propensity for the human heart to follow what he calls empty or vain prophecy, teaching. 
to follow what the world says is true about humanity or is true about life, uh, is true for ourselves, and to make ourselves disciples of that, followers of that type of teaching. I would say it's also common right now to be a Christian and to say, yeah, I follow Jesus and his teaching sometimes, and then I follow my own sometimes, and then there's something over here I kind of follow sometimes. A disciple, which is the really the only term that, that the Bible uses to describe people who are in salvation, is a follower of Jesus and all of his teaching. So I want to talk to you about what it is to be disciples, followers of Christ, what it looks like to, to make it your aim, to follow Jesus with everything. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained. So we're told what a disciple, okay, now what happens to a disciple? They, be, they, they, they are fully trained. Now, um, I'm going to use two metaphors this, this morning. The first one is an athletic metaphor because when it talks about fully training, my best understanding of training is, is usually sports. And I know I used the high school football story last year or last week, which I guess was last year. And then also... I'll use one today uh, as well, and then I, I hope to not have to use one next week as well. Um, but when I was playing football, this is actually a college football story. I learned more about, I did play college football. When, when um, I was in college, my first three weeks were football camp. We had to go early and, uh, and then just focus on and get ready for the season. And I always tell people I learned more in my three weeks of college football camp than I did in four years of high school football, like about football, about the game of football. And there were uh, probably many reasons, but at least three. The, the first one was who was teaching me, the coaches and the quality. Uh, the second was how they taught and the, the tools they use and the practice methods that they used. And then the third was just simply the duration of time that passed. I mean, it was three weeks, 21 days, right, of 12 hours of football every day. Um, this will date me just a little bit. My only form of communication at that time was sending email at the library computer, stephenwhitlow1 at juno.com, if you want to email me. I don't know if I still know the password. That was it. And so it was football. Wake up, football. Go to bed, right before, football. I mean, that's what we did was football. And the level of coaching and how they coached and the sheer amount of time discipled me, uh, helped me understand the game of football much better than I had in four previous years. When it comes to being trained in Christ, follow me for a second. Let's pretend you have a really good year of church attendance. You get here twice a month, every month this year. If that's true, and by the end of the year, you will have received the same amount of training in being a follower of Christ as I did in two days of football camp. Two days. I got trained to play a game that I can no longer really play anymore because of my ankles. And I gave it 12 hours a day for 21 days. When it comes to the biggest thing in life, a great year 
is equal to two days. Now, let's keep doing the math. Over the course of 10 years then, we've arrived at the same amount of time at football camp if we follow this, uh, this mechanism. So now we're at, we're in 10 years, uh, we'll have the equivalent of training in following Christ as we did in a week or three weeks of football camp. Now, I would propose, though, that uh, over a 10-year period of time uh, that you probably lose some information over the years that there's a, there's a diminishing return over the course of 10 years, I would say over the course of one year or from one week to the next, as opposed to every day for 12 hours. Said another way, it is probable that most people in Christ will receive less training on being a disciple of Christ than I received at football camp that it is probably true that I am more equipped to be a football player than the standard Christian life equips somebody to follow Christ simply by following that little exercise. I would, of course, submit that becoming a follower of Christ and understanding what it means to follow Christ is significantly more important significantly more important. Now, my aim here today is not just to convince you to show up to church more. My aim is to help you get a picture of what it means to be a disciple. A disciple, somebody who says, I'm following Jesus and his teaching. And I'm going to build my whole life around following Christ and what he has to say. Now, the first part of being a disciple, of course, is, I know I kind of skipped this step, is choosing your teacher, figuring out, like, well, who am I going to follow? And the natural idea oftentimes is, well, I'll follow my heart, and that will lead me to, to what I'm supposed to do. I'll just, I'll follow my heart. Well, the prophet Jeremiah, in his letter, says this is what it is to follow your heart. Let me go over to this text. Jeremiah chapter 17, starting in verse 9. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. The heart is deceitful, Jeremiah says. He goes on to say it's desperately evil, that the heart apart from Christ, what it wants to do is it, it wants to create uh, this own world in our minds, this own world where, where I can do as I please and, and how I think is best and um, what I think will make me happy will really make me happy. And then we go searching for things. Paul in, in Colossians called them, right, empty philosophies. And we go searching for those things to validate what we think our heart needs. And what Jeremiah is saying is the heart is tricking you. It's deceiving you. And you think you're going to arrive at one place. Your soul is going to arrive at one place. But it's not. The only way to arrive at what the soul is craving is to become a disciple. It's, it's showing two paths. We can, we can commit to Jesus and following him and his teaching, or we can commit to the world, ourselves and our own teaching and our own philosophies. And they'll lead to two different places. In fact, right before Jeremiah wrote this, he wrote the two places that they'll lead. 
The first one he calls this in verse five. He says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. We don't want to be on team cursed. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Makes his own understanding, his own way of life, his strength, his path. His, I'm, a, I'm following me in essence here. You are following you, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now, Jeremiah's writing, and I, and I imagine as he's writing, now he's writing, of course, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to think, trying to, to communicate, okay, what is it like? What, what's, what's a good physical picture? Right, so here's my second metaphor. The football training was the first one. Here's the second one. What is a physical picture of what it looks like if you and I just keep following our own path in life? If we just keep following our own path, choosing our own path, uh, making flesh our strength, following the path of the world, what, what's a physical picture of it? And Jeremiah goes, I got it. It's like a shrub in the desert. Now, who says, I want to be a shrub in the desert? It's like a shrub in the desert. Oh, and Jeremiah goes, and it won't see any good come. It will dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in the uninhabited salt land. So when we make flesh our strength, when we choose, I don't want to be a disciple of Christ, I'll pick my own path. You can do that. You can choose that as your teacher. And Jeremiah just says, you're going to end up in shrubland, uninhabited salt land. You ever had just like, like your mouth has been so dry like your lips are, I have like these vivid memories of, I think I was going to Hill's department store growing up and they would give you popcorn, okay? And I would eat it all, right? As like a five-year-old and my lips would get so dry and salty and it was just, I can still remember to this day. That's why I always carry chapstick with me because of that experience. He says, that's life. So you can choose that path, but it will lead to a place of dryness and the best picture he can give is you're like a shrub in a desert. Or, or you can become a disciple. You can become a follower of Jesus and his teaching. And Jeremiah is like, okay, now what would that look like? He says, blessed is the man, or happy. We've talked about that before. Happy is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Or you can choose to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus and his teaching. And you can allow the teaching of Jesus to just permeate the way you do everything. And every little part of your life can just be influenced by Jesus and his teaching. And you can just follow him and you'll be happy and you'll be a tree. You'll be a happy tree. Bob Ross. Happy little trees. Blesses the man who trusts. And, and he says, you're not just like a tree. You're like a tree by, uh, by water. Like everything you need, right? You're like a toddler by goldfish. Everything is right there for you. You can be shrub in the desert. No good will come. Or you can be tree by water. I mean, it seems... This is pretty clear. There's a couple at the church, and um, very generously, they often uh, offer to watch uh, Reagan in August. And we, we take them up on this offer. And, and so we'll go and we'll drop Reagan in August off at their house. And um, 
one time when I did and I dropped them off, uh, the kids off at the house, um, the, the lady said, do you want to take our car and leave your car? And I drive a 2011 Ford Focus. Goes zero to 60 in a year, right? No one has ever stopped me at a stoplight and said, where'd you get that? Like, can I see your FM radio? No one. So I get there and they say, do you want to leave your car and take ours? They drive a brand new Tesla. It goes zero to 60 much quicker. It tops out at, not going to finish this story, but it's fast. Yeah, yeah, I'll take the Tesla and leave my Ford Focus. Like if that option is on the table, we can do that. And so we, we did, I did that. Then I picked up somebody else who goes to the church. I said, you want to go for a ride? They were like, yeah, absolutely. And then we went for a ride. If I showed up at that same person's house in my Ford Focus and said, hey man, you want to go for a ride? Like, I have a bike that goes faster than that, man. The choice is like really clear. Like, I don't know what's worse, the shrub in the desert or my Ford Focus. Or this. I mean, the tree, the Tesla. And the path is am I willing to be a disciple? follower of Jesus and his teaching. And the dry place that maybe you found yourself in is because you either have never decided to follow Christ or you're over here and you're trying to mix shrubland and treeland. And shrubland and treeland, just they don't mix. When we try and mix shrubland and treeland, you just get shrub. And Jesus is saying, I got a better way. Just become a disciple. Just become a follower of Jesus. Become a follower of his and his teaching. Now, you might ask, so I've got this heart that's deceitful and evil, according to Jeremiah. How does someone move then? What happens? Well, nothing changes until the heart changes. So we have to understand scripturally, how does the heart change? Well, that's why we read the, Colossians passage, Paul says this, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, he's setting up another principle that I'll look at in a minute, but he's saying, just as you received Christ Jesus as the Lord, well, how do we receive Christ Jesus as the Lord? For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. How do we receive Christ Jesus as the Lord? (laughs) Faith through grace, or grace through faith. We can't earn it. It's a, it's a gift, not a reward. And so what happens is the, the, the gospel comes into our heart and, and it, it explodes in all of the right ways in our heart. And, and then all of a sudden when the gospel comes in, it's so powerful and it's so beautiful. And we understand grace and we look and we go, Jesus, you did this for me? Me? You, you died for me? You took on my sin. You wore my sin. You had to stand in front of the Father carrying all of my sin and take all of the blame for it. 
and then you gave me all of your perfection and your righteousness and we understand it not just in an intellectual way but in a way that comes in and it like turns something on in our hearts and then all of a sudden we look and we go well then why would I ever picture why would I ever want to live in shrubland of course I want to be like the tree of course I want to be a happy tree And then when we make this when, we, when this, when this decision, we often call it salvation, when this decision begins to, to move through us, then, then, then we're like this little tree that's planted. And then, uh, and then we want the tree to grow. Because I would imagine, in the following Jeremiah's metaphor, that as the tree grows and as the roots get deeper, the tree just gets stronger and more full of life. It is more and more blessed or happy. It's more joyous. It's the opposite of cursed tree. It's a joyous, blessed, growing thing that's giving out. It's bearing fruit. It's pouring things out into the world. And it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. In fact, Jeremiah hints it gets so strong that even when horrible things happen, it actually just gets stronger in the midst of horrible things. Yeah, that sounds better. And then Paul actually teaches us, how do we get stronger? Well, he says this in Colossians 2, 6 through 7, and this is step two of discipleship. After the heart changes, then it's understanding the teaching. By the way, some of us, we have understood the teaching in a way of Christ without the heart being changed, and we're still miserable. Because we think we understand, yeah, I understand Christianity, I understand the gospel, I understand all of this, but the heart hasn't actually changed. And so what we're doing is we're a shrub acting like a tree. And shrubs make bad trees. The heart has to change. But then after the heart changes, step two is understanding the teaching. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did we receive him? By grace through faith. So walk in him. So how do we live out this Christian life? By grace through faith. We rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. So we hear the gospel, we're taught the gospel, and then it begins to have this effect in us. But what he's teaching us here in Colossians chapter 2 is the way that we grow up in the Christian life is the same way we began the Christian life. The way that the tree is planted is the same way that the tree's roots go deeper and the tree grows up. And that is that it is just going back to and understanding deeper and deeper the gospel. That we don't actually ever grow past the gospel. That you are never so mature in your faith that you don't need the gospel. That it's not like I, I need the gospel to save me, but then I have to like grow up with, with doctrine. And I have, to, I have to grow up understanding theology. It's not that those things are bad. It's that the way the Christian matures, according to Paul, and he wrote the Bible, or parts of the Bible, uh, in the, is by understanding the gospel. Which means if you're, if you're maturing, if your maturation process has, has, has diminished or slowed down or stopped, it's because you've forgotten the gospel. And you just need to, you need to go back to the gospel. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. This is how we get established in the faith, just as we were taught. Now, how do we learn the gospel over and over and over? How was the gospel taught to us? Right? Remember the football metaphor? It was who was teaching me and how they were teaching. So who's the how and the what? Well, the who is, is really more of a what. It's scripture. 
but it's God through the scriptures teaching us. See, the gospel, every page in here is just pointing us to the gospel. That's all it does. It just points us to the gospel. Christ for us. Christ's life exchanged on the cross. Our deceitful heart. Christ giving us a new one. Not because we deserved it, but because he gave it to us. And all of scripture just points us back and back into the gospel. It just keeps pointing out the gospel. And so through scripture then, we're to grow in this gospel. And that's the first thing we do is is we grow in this gospel and and we take in the scriptures. And then the second is through prayer. Prayer. And, And I would submit this, that no real life transformation occurs apart from prayer. That though the, the, the word of God comes in, then what prayer does is it takes the word of God planted and it begins to like digest it, if I can even throw another metaphor in here, and digest it and work its way through us. And so the word of God happens, or we, we hear the word of God, and then prayer begins to sink it in and it begins to move things and change things. And it has to uproot some things and then it deepens some other things. And so then what's the aim of the Christian? How much scripture can I take in? This is the teaching. How much scripture can I take in? And then how can I pray for it to begin to work its way through me? And we want to help you in this process this year. And we're, I'm setting up our, our second metaphor, which is this metaphor of dig, right? Like we're digging in to scripture. And so um, here's how we want to help you do this year, this, this year. The first one is through like a daily dig. Okay, and so this is what's going to happen. Uh, every morning at 6 a.m., an email is going to go out, and it's going to have a little excerpt of um, like the sermon, like a point from the sermon and a pointing out of a scripture uh, where you can read through it and a couple of reflection questions for you. And here's how this is going to work. The first three, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week, I am going to um, send that out to the entire church. And so we're going to send it to everybody, and you're going to get it. And then in one of those three, if you want to like opt in, just reply, and we'll add you to the list. And then starting Thursday again, um, we'll just send it to those of you who have opted in. But we want to help you do that. We're going to have weekly stuff this, this year because we want to help you in your training dig those roots deeper into Christ. I'm going to use both metaphors. Weekly, uh, we're going to do it one of three ways. First, there's Bible studies all over. We have many of them. You can find all the information on the handout or on the website. Secondly, uh, we're launching midweek. Okay, let me explain midweek. I'm not going to really be teaching during midweek. I'm going to um, be leading a facilitated conversation that will be happening around tables. This is basically life group for people who won't go to life group. Okay. It's, for, it's like life group at the church. So you're going to meet a couple of people, and you're going to sit around a table, and you're going to have conversation around Scripture. And then there's also life groups, and those will be launching this week, and they will, um, there's all different sorts of them, and if you're interested in one of those, we'll get you into one of those. Why? Because going back to the beginning football camp, the more time we spend getting into Scripture and prayer, the more the gospel has a chance to make its move in our hearts. This year, we're also increasing more than ever, I would say. We're just going to call them deep digs for the point of today. Um, These longer, almost camp-like moments where there's going to be an extended period of time where uh, we hope that you'll hear from God, 
and move in your life. And I just threw a couple of them up there. Worship night starts in January. We got a men's event, a women's event, a little mini conference. And we're increasing all of this because if we're going to be followers of Jesus and his teaching, it's going to take a commitment. It's going to take some time. Now, I will, of course, acknowledge the fact that all of us have different schedules and we have different lives and kids and work and everything else like that. And our job is just to provide as many opportunities as possible for you guys to begin to grow, to be followers of Jesus and his teaching. Okay, now let's talk about why. I mean, outside of the obvious, like, well, because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Like, why? Because step three of discipleship is this. You begin to grow in application. Jeremiah says it this way. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Step three of discipleship. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. What's happening here? The tree is growing now. And at first, growth is always slow. And for some of you, spiritual growth has been slow even though you've been at it for 30 years. You know why? Because an hour here and an hour there and an hour here and an hour there, diminishing over the course of 7, 8, 9, 10, 20, 30 years, doesn't actually lead to that much growth. You really don't know that much more about the game. You may have been watching football for 40 years. If you've never spent a moment in practice, you probably don't know how to play. What happens then? Eventually, as the gospel begins to, to break in, and, and at first, the growth is a little bit more mechanical. We begin to do things almost as like practice, like at camp. When, when I was, I played cornerback, and you, and you move back, and they, I mean, I did this a million times a day, right? Because you just had to practice the steps, right? And so we just kept practicing the steps, right? Because it was about the hip turn. And you practice it so that in the game, when the receiver cuts, I can make the right hip turn. And at first, you just practice things, and it's slightly mechanical, like, like, like getting the, the morning devotional, and it's slightly mechanical. And, you, and, and after a week, you go, my heart didn't change. Keep going. The roots are going in. The roots are going in. The roots are growing in. Or you, you come up to a life group, or, or you get into a midweek, and you go, that wasn't the most life-changing conversation ever. The roots are growing in. And then what starts with the roots just going out here, uh, like he talks about, eventually, and by the way, this often most, most happens through our relationships and our stewardship. It, it happens through the way we interact with other people and with God and the way we leverage all that we are. And these things that start mechanical then eventually arrive at step four of discipleship, which is when the teaching becomes our natural response. Our teaching becomes, or the teaching, the gospel becomes our natural response. And what was mechanical then just begins to play its way through our lives. A couple of examples of what that looks like. Spiritual, our emotional, our relational, even our physical, how we handle our body, what we do with our body, our financial life. And all of a sudden, what used to be mechanical just becomes natural. And here's when this becomes really, really important. 
Jeremiah says it this way, and it does not fear, the happy tree, does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That even when life gets tough or life gets hard, even when things aren't going exactly the way we want, when the gospel gets so deep, eventually what comes out of us is a gospel response. And as the gospel begins to work its way through us, then all of a sudden we arrive at this place where we could look at a situation and think, oh man, a year ago or, or, or five years ago, this situation right here, it would have wrecked me. It would have ruined our marriage. It would have made me do something really stupid, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden the situation hits, but the roots have grown in so deep that when the bad situation comes at you, the gospel comes out of you. because the roots have grown in. Because see, we've all seen this, haven't we? There's like these weak roots. And I know I'm referencing another scriptural story right now, but weak roots and something bad happens. And what happens is it just knocks the tree over. And we look at people and go, oh man, what happened? What happened? That person's faith. And then, but as the gospel, as it goes deeper and deeper, Jeremiah is teaching us, and I think as Paul was saying the same in Colossians, as the gospel goes deeper and deeper, then no matter what happens, what comes out of us is the gospel. So let me tell you why I care about this so much. Not just so that you'll show up more. Not just so that you'll practice some mechanical activities that are good church attendance activities. But so that the gospel gets so deeply rooted in you that no matter what happens in your life, the gospel is what comes out. And so you're in college or you go off to college and the world throws everything at you and the gospel is what comes out. So that you're in a tough time in your marriage and what used to have made you go like this and stay apart and not talk for a week or, or get angry at each other and, and all this stuff harbors in, all of a sudden the gospel comes in and instead of doing this, it turns back in. Where you used to lash out with anger and then all of a sudden the gospel comes in and out comes something else, peace. How does this happen? Through this process of discipleship. And so where does it all start? It always starts with heart change. And then how does it continue? Through the same way, reminding ourselves of the gospel of grace. So we're going to end today at the beginning. If you have one of these, go ahead and pull it out. Anyone not get one, go ahead and raise their hand. Michael's got them for you. You can go ahead and open up your elements. Just kind of hold on to them. Just as a reminder, even if you don't attend our church, if you're a follower of Christ, 
you are more than welcome to join us. If you're not a follower of Christ, then just become one right now and join us. Just choose to follow Jesus and his teaching through grace. Jesus took your place on the cross and paid for your sins. So that's exactly what we believe about what we believe about communion is that this is just a representation of what Christ did. And so the bread here represents his body broken for us. And the juice represents his blood spilled for us. We're going to take communion at the beginning of our year together because it's going to remind us what the aim of this year is to, through the grace of the gospel, allow our hearts to be trained, changed and transformed in such a way, in such a way that no matter what happens this year, good or bad, because the scriptures teach us both good and bad, both affluence and poverty, both good times and hard times can pull us from Christ. That no matter what happens, good or bad this year, that when those things happen, gospel is what comes out. And that through grace then, this year, we would grow up in this gospel. And we'll never be above our teacher, Jesus. But when we're fully trained, we'll become like him. And I just think the more of us that are like Jesus, the better that is for all of us. So take it this morning on your own, bread and juice, and root yourself in his grace again for you.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.